Let us turn to Genesis 32 and read the first uh, 21 verses here that we might study upon them. Beginning to read with verse 1, Genesis 32, verse 1. So Jacob went on his way, and the angel of, angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the mountain of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, <coughs> and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels and into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, of all the truth which you have shown your servants. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become Two companies, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come out and attack me, and the mothers and the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well, and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night, and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 20 milk camels with their foals, 20, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, sees you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and, and the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on all over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. May the Lord bless this reading to our understanding. 
We come to the subject of family repentance today in this series that we're doing on the family. We see here that Jacob was concerned not only for his repentance before God, but he saw a need to repent before his family for evils that he had done in the past. So the sermon is on repentance and family repentance, the whole idea of repentance. And that may leave you somewhat wanting. You may, you may think to yourself, with all that's going on in our lives, with all the busyness that's going on, with all the things that uh, lead me to, to fret about my life and to fret about uh, what's happening in my life, I just don't have reason, a, a time for repentance. Or you might ask yourself, do I have time for repentance? Is that something that that uh, uh, really should concern me, or is that an ex- a theological extravagance? And I hope that you'll be convinced here by this that uh, that we need all of us need to think about repentance, and that indeed uh, repentance helps us to get in touch with the Lord. It helps us to get our bearings. Uh, we, we, in repentance, we evaluate wh- where we are, what we're doing, especially against God's law. Where, where we have lied, cheated, and steal. Where we have taken from the Lord and not given him his due time and his due honor. And we evaluate all of these things and we see where we have fallen short. And as we do that, as we take our bearings, you know, like on a trip when you're out hiking, in the mountains or something like that, and you take a break to look at the map and the, and the compass. You take your bearing. To, you want to see where you are and where you're trying to go. And when we come to the Lord with sorrow about the mistakes of our lives, it gives us a clarity to where we are at the present and where we need to go. And uh, it's, a, it's a great grace that the world never fathoms or understands or enjoys because the world uh, so infrequently looks inward at itself. The world just doesn't say, doesn't think that it has any extra emotional time or strength to deal with the errors of their lives. They say, they often say this, and they often give this as a reason to not go to church or not to give the Lord any attention. They'll say to themselves, uh, I have enough to worry about without this foolish theology stuff and without the Lord. I can survive. I can, I can, if I'm going to survive, I can do, do that best just by plodding forward, moving forward, and uh, never giving in to the weakness that I feel all around me. Whereas the Christian says, I need to pause. I need to wait. I need to consider my life. And I, I want to I talk to the children today, especially You may think that all of these things are just for your moms and your dads or the adults of the congregation. But I want to ask you, have you found in your life the the value and the need to repent about your lives? If you have not found that, I I, I sorrow for you. So I, I want to... Caden and Kaya, I want uh, Louie and Charlie, I want Liza and Everett, uh, McMullen and Anna Grace, Josh, Jonah, Joseph, the Jordans. I want you all to consider whether you've ever been sorry about anything. And uh, if you have, then did you run from that sorrow or did you go to it and and, uh, study it and and consider it? And then 
go to your parents or go to the Lord and apologize for things that you've done and ask for their forgiveness. And realize that as you studied that yourself, as you let your mind focus upon that, how that would strengthen you in your faith. It would help you to be a young Christian person. And how, what, a, what a value that was. Now, as we look at this subject from this scriptural text, the first thing I want you to, to consider is the setting for family repentance in which Jacob found himself, the setting. In other words, what were the circumstances of his repentance? <clears throat> he's coming back. He's been away for 20 years. He's coming back to Israel. And as he comes back to Israel, he's thinking more, about, more and more about the life that he left there in Israel. And foremost in his mind, of all the things that he thinks about, I'm sure that he was thinking about seeing his mother and his father again. And what a joy that would be. That would be like the sun or a freshened day of wind and sun upon the, uh, upon the head. But in the midst of that sunny glow, uh, there was a shadow that crossed his mind. And he thought of his relationship with his brother Esau. Now, that relationship was clouded with all kinds of complexities. We read in Romans where God says, Esau, uh, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. From the time that he came forth from the womb, Esau seemed to make the wrong decisions. He seemed to be a carnal uh, young man, a, a very insensitive young man. Uh, he was not concerned about the deeper things of life. He wanted to hunt and fish and go out and be a man and run across the hills and uh, his father himself loved the game that Esau would bring in. But this did not say anything about his spiritual nature, about the fact that he'd been created by God to be a spiritual creature, to have a relationship, a transcendental relationship with things that go beyond what you can hear and see and feel and touch. In that area, Esau was dead. And yet, Despite all of that, you see, Jacob didn't worry about that. J Jacob didn't worry about Esau's part. What Jacob focused upon was his fault. He realized that even though it was part of God's will that he had done badly, that God had used him despite uh, the, the sovereignty of God, through the sovereignty of God, but he, God had used him despite his sin. But he realized that he had sinned against his brother Esau. He realized that from the time that he was younger, he was they were twins, but he was born a moment later. And, and that, that really broiled his heart because he thought he had these aspirations to be a family leader, to be the leader of the clan, but Esau was born first. And so from the time that he was a little boy, Jacob uh, continuously in his mind worried about how to get ahead of his brother. <laughs> so that when his, that day his brother came into the field and he was just famished and all passionate about his hunger, wanted, wanted uh, Jacob to feed him, uh, serve him some food, and all of Jacob's plans and his, his uh, meditations, his forethoughts, all of that came to a head. And he said, uh, give me your birthright and I'll feed you a feast. That was the beginning of the problems. And then later, 
Remember, he dressed up, he had the skins upon himself so that he could obtain Isaac's blessing at, at, uh, at Isaac's death. And uh, again and again, I, uh, Isaac or Jacob plotted and planned how to get ahead. And, and this was a problem of faith for Jacob because he didn't trust the Lord to work out these things himself in a more, in a more better way, in a more blessed way. And so he cheated his brother. Coming back to Israel now, coming back after this long journey, 300 miles just to get to the northern parts of Israel, he couldn't help but think of the offense that he had made against his brother. Again, it's wonderful. So often uh, so often uh, we, we negotiate these things in our minds. But in repentance, there's no negotiation, really. We don't worry about what other people have done. We don't worry about the other factors that have mitigated our problems. In repentance, we simply think, what have I done wrong? Why have I done these things wrong? We sang already Psalm 51, where uh, Jacob, I mean, where David, saying, oh, 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 wash me wholly from my guilt and make me clean from within. For my transgressions I confess, I ever see my sin. David and Jacob were spiritually sensitive men. And as God led them to see their sin, they, they were brought to the place where they cried out to God for forgiveness from that sin. And in this case, uh, God inspires Jacob to um, to take some very concrete actions. Now it's interesting here that the text begins by saying, so Jacob went up on his way and the angels of the Lord met him. So all of this is prefaced by this these simple verses. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother. So it was the proximity of the Lord to him. It was the intensity of the angels and their presence with Jacob that led him to the spiritual insight of seeking repentance with God. So I would argue that if you you never have the spirit of repentance in your life, if you really aren't sorry for things, and if you aren't willing to tell other people about them, it's probably because you have not had the spiritual blessing that comes before that of the closeness of God. It's God's closeness. The angel's closeness with Jacob that brought so much of this about. He was thinking about these things, but then he got to this place that he named Mahanim. He got to this place, and the, the presence of God, the sweet the sweet presence of God, where God helps us to see deep within ourselves. God helps us to see our fault, but we wouldn't see our fault unless we had some way of evaluating that. And God gives that to us by his law. So so many people recoil at the law as if it had no grace within it. Oh, sweet is the law of God as it tempers us and helps us to draw closer to God because it measures us and it helps us to see where we are. And in our sorrow and our weakness, we cry out to God, God, bless me. I need thy help. Heal me. Again, I'm speaking to the children here. Have you you ever asked God to help you with these things? 
part of the closeness of God that you will come to know if you if you are saved and if the Lord works with you. Part of the closeness comes through these times of repentance where God whittles us down and shows us how little we are in terms of virtue and worth. But then he doesn't leave us that way. He builds us back up. Like I say, uh, repentance is one of the keys to spiritual growth. And if we, if we run from repentance, if we spurn repentance, then we spurn growth. We spurn closeness of, with God. And so the first thing that we see here is the setting for Jacob's repentance, for his family repentance. It's a closeness of God, not the absence of God. The closeness of God and the closeness of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second point is that family repentance demands actions and not just thoughts and feelings. So oftentimes we, we greatly accredit ourselves or congratulate ourselves because we feel some mental sorrow for the things of our lives. And we go off, we, we proudly walk off and we, we puff our chest, chest up and we say, oh, isn't it wonderful that I felt so bad about my sin? And then we go on with it, making no adjustments in our lives, making no changes, we say, oh, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. Esau, uh, uh, incredibly at this point, Esau was famous for these great demonstrations of sorrow, but nothing was behind it. Nothing was behind it. Look at what's behind Jacob's sorrow. He realizes that he must make some concrete actions toward Esau as he returns. So he, first of all, he sends men to go to Esau to, 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 to uh, tell them, to tell Esau that Jacob is returning and that Jacob has many gifts that he wants to give him. He mentions all the animals that, that God has blessed him with and that sort of thing. So he's aware of the need, and he, but he doesn't just have it in his heart. It's not enough for us to cleanse ourselves with feelings of sorrow. We, ought to, we also need to make deeds, works that are commiserate with the feelings that we have and our, our repentance is not really full until we can until we can see, see to ourselves yes not only did i feel sorry for this but i did a b c and d to help with that so i don't know that again the children what are you famous for first of all i hope you're fam- i hope you're famous for at least seeing your faults once in a while that's helpful it's nice that you'll say something about them. It's nice that you will cry out and say, I'm sorry for what I've done. But do you ever go beyond that? Or are you using that as a pretext or as a trick to save yourself from deeper repentance? Jacob, you see, he doesn't just say he's sorry. He makes these plans. And we see that uh, uh, he makes a strategy to, uh, to approach Esau uh, this was made more difficult because Esau, he knew Esau was not a spiritual man. He knows that. He can see that. He's got the wisdom to see that. And uh, so even his repentance is problematic with this man. So he, in verse 4, he instructs his servants what to do. Uh, and uh, when they come back with their, uh, well, then, then verse 5, he he um, he processes his riches and he thinks what would be a good token and uh, he, he he plans on giving Esau many things and now 
See, Esau didn't, in so many ways, Esau didn't deserve these things. Esau didn't deserve the cattle and the sheep and the goats and the camels and all that. Esau had his own problems. Esau deserved the judgment of God, but Jacob wasn't concerned about that. He was concerned about his fault, what he had done wrong. And he realized that he had cheated Esau out of his birthright. And so he goes through his flocks and he makes this gift costly. Our repentance often needs to be costly. Needs to cost something so that we, we, we're aware of what we're doing. And so uh, 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 Jacob does this, and, uh, and, uh, but then in verse, uh, as part three here of our sermon, when the men come back from visiting Esau this first time, what do they report? They report, oh, Esau's coming himself. So it's, Esau was not so... Um, <clears throat> he didn't have equanimity about this where he just thought, well, I, so what if Jacob comes back? I'll just, I'm, I've got my life here in Edom, in the mountains of Edom. I don't need, you know, let him come back. Fine with me. I don't, I, don't, I don't really care one way or the other. No, Esau comes out. He comes to, see, to, to meet uh, Jacob and he comes with 400 men. Now, uh, 400 men is not an army, but it sure is a, group, a large group of men. It's, it's, a, it's a significant fighting force. And uh, 400 men is a, a, a great company. In military terms, it's a great company. And uh, Jacob had nothing like that. He had, he had a large family. He had many servants. It, true, these servants would uh, take up arms and, and try to protect themselves, but... Uh, 400 armed men is something else to think about. So once once Jacob knew this, then it, it, it drove him to, to think even more carefully about how to appease the wrath of Esau. It made him more sensitive to that. And so uh, in, uh, in verses 5, five, uh, five through 7, and then later uh, in uh, uh, verses uh, 9 through 12, we see where Esau, or where, where Jacob develops these uh, further plans to make three different groups of, of uh, servants who would take the animals forward, and each time they would come to Esau. And uh, uh, Jacob thought he didn't know what the first group would do to Esau's wrath, but he thought, he thought at least when he saw a second group and they said the same thing to him and, and he saw all these riches that were coming to him uh, based upon uh, Jacob's sorrow, then that must have an effect upon even a hard heart like Esau had. And then he saw a third group come, uh, a third group to appease him. And, uh, and Jacob said and, and gave each of them instructions that behind these groups that Jacob himself would be coming to face his brother Esau. And uh, so he makes these, these, uh, these elaborate plans. Now, what was Jacob afraid of? Jacob was afraid of being massacred. That's what he was afraid of. He was afraid of being wiped out. Now, he had these promises of God coursing through his mind and some people would have said to themselves, well, I have the promises of God. I'm just going to go forward and sort of damn the torpedoes 
and because God will take care of me. God will take care of me. But, he, but Jacob was aware that God works through secondary causes. God works through secondary means. Uh, we're never going to be we're never going to be wealthy unless we go to work. You know there there are things that help you to get more wealth. You you may not be a rich man by going to work, but you certainly won't be a, a rich man by by not going to work. And even if you don't go to work and you win the lottery, your habits are going to be so terrible that your habits are going to ruin you as soon as you get the money. So you're going to go down the tube again. And then when you go down through the drain, you're going to hate yourself even more because you're going to say, I squandered all this money that I won. So God works through these secondary causes. So in this case, uh, Jacob knows that uh, he doesn't know what God will do. He, he, God has, has promised to protect him. But Jacob is thinking to himself, if God protects me, he's going to protect me through what I can do to, uh, to appease the wrath of Esau. So he, he takes these steps. He goes through these steps. And uh, then uh, he appears before uh, uh, Esau. And we'll see the, the aftermath of that in the future scriptures. But it's it's really interesting to see what he goes through. And it's really interesting to, to realize the trauma of Jacob's own mind. You think about this. This repentance comes out or works its way out through this fear that he and his family, everything that he has, will be destroyed by the wrath of Esau. So what you're seeing here is a man who is not just coasting on the promises of God. He's traumatized, and out of that trauma, he makes these plans, and then he gives them over to the Lord. And so we come last of all to the prayer, the prayer that he makes uh, in verses 9 through 12. Uh, we see where he... As he evaluates himself, he says, Oh God, my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord who has said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies of, thy, of the truth which you have shown your servant. So Jacob realizes that he's not the worst possible man in the world at that time, but as he compares himself with God, he realizes that he, in a sense, he is because it's only his life in the face of God. And in the face of God, we are all losers. All flesh is as grass. Uh, our riches, are, our, our ethical riches are like manure compared with what they need to be. And so he says, I'm not worthy uh, for, of the least of all the mercies and of the truth which you have shown to your servant. For I have crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two companies. In other words, he sees the, the blessings that God has given him, and he realizes that underneath it all, it's all grace. God did not deserve, or he did not deserve any of these things by the Lord, and yet God has blessed him. And so um, he says, he admits to God as he prays, have you ever prayed a prayer of repentance like this? Do you understand what, what the heart goes through? He says, I pray from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Have you ever told God that you're afraid? And in one sense, we know that God already knows that, but God wants us to say the things. He wants us to articulate the things that are in our hearts. And so Jacob says, um, I, I fear. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mothers and the children. 
Isaac or Jacob was looking out at this at this troop, and he thought of the, the the sweet tenderness of mothers and children, and he realized that all of this was in the hand of the Lord for good or for evil. He says, "For you said, I will surely treat you well, and I make your descendants as the sand of the sea." So he remembers the promises of God, and they 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 can become part of his prayer too. He prays God. I, I'm not deserving of this, but you've promised me these things. It's on the promises I pray. When we come to Christ, we, we pray these same, th- same things. When there's nothing in my hand, I bring simply to thy grace I cling, like the old hymn. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau's brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels. Camels are big animals, very, very valuable he gave 30 milk camels with their foal or with their colts to Esau, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, every group of animals by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between the successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant, Jacob. So he introduces himself as a servant of Esau. It is a present sent by my Lord to, to my Lord Esau. And behold, he is also behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau. And when you find him, and also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will seek his face, see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So lastly, we see this, fourthly, we see this language that he uses of appeasement. And uh, this really points us to Christ. Because in a sense, what you see, uh, Isaac, what you see Jacob doing here, is what our Lord Jesus Christ does before the eyes of the Father, as he, as he, argues for us, the elect, for his people, for his sheep. As he argues for us, and he says, oh, "Father, I know what these people have done. I know how they have transgressed the first commandment." whereby we are, we are indebted by the very nature of our creation to worship thee, to give thee the elemental first glory and love of our lives. I know that these people, like the people that perished in Noah's flood, I know that these people have sinned against you and they have disregarded you and they've dismissed you. As great as you are, they've dismissed you in their devotions and in their lives and the decisions they've made. But, O Lord, let me appease you. O Father, let me appease you with the virtues of my life, with the efforts that I've gone through in my life because I have loved you with my full heart and my full soul and my full mind. And so I offer these to you. I've laid down my life, O Lord, for their sakes. I have died for them. And I have have enshrouded them with my righteousness so that they might 
be acceptable in my sight. And so, oh, Father, Heavenly Father, I come and I appease you. If you want to know what the gospel is, it's nothing but this. It's this work of Christ that Christ has done on our behalf to appease the wrath of the Father. And we know that that works. The, the blessing is before we ever come to Christ. We know that it works because we know the power of Christ's death and the power of his life and the power of his righteousness. And so we know that in the same way that Jacob was able to appease Esau, a sinner, a deviant, a reprobate, so our Lord Jesus Christ is able to appease the wrath of the Father on our behalf and allow us to come in and have fellowship with him. So this is a story, this is an historical story, but boy, is it revelational to us. And if you've never tasted repentance, again, I, I talked to the boys and the girls here in the congregation, Kadem and Caden and Kaya and Louie and Charlie, Liza, Everett, Anna Grace, Josh, uh, Jonah, Joseph, you need the grace of God. You need repentance in order to find faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to learn something about that in your life right now. You need to learn it with your mom and your dad as well as with each other. So let us seek the Lord and let us hope in his grace. Let us take God seriously and let us take our own souls seriously and let us live rather than die. Let us hope in Christ and let us, let us learn about repentance and what that can do for us in our lives. Let us repent before husbands and wives and children. I've told you before that one of the scenes that I'll never forget in my own life is when my father, he was in his 30s or early 40s at the time. He lost his temper one time. It was our fault, but he lost his temper with us and threw some things, threw some dishes out the door and that sort of thing. And he came to us later, got us all together. And to ask our forgiveness. As the father of the family, I repeated today, like the, 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 the scene will never fade from my memory because my dad was laid low by his love of God and by his revulsion with his own behavior. It's one of the probably one of the reasons that I became a Christian. Because I had this kind of reality going on in my life, uh, brought to me by my parents. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, help us to see the grace of repentance, both in Jacob's life and in ours. Help us, O oh Lord, to receive this grace. May you May you visit us with the angels of Mahadim, O Lord, that we would have a sense of your presence and help us to be revolted by our, our low caste behavior, by our self-love, by our egotism, by the choices that we make, by the wranglings and the dealings that we make in our lives. Help us to just wash all of this off and cleanse it off and throw it off that we might have thee, O Lord, that we might have thee, at, at whatever price we have to pay emotionally and egocentrically, that we might have thee. Bless us, O Lord, with faith. Bless all of these children that I've mentioned today. 
bless them, bring them to faith. We, we thank thee for Kaya's recent confession of faith before us. We pray that you would bring all of our children to faith, that you would leave none of them on the by the wayside. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.